Welcome to the Habits Universal Podcast, featuring Scott Rush. In today's episode, Scott talks with Kevin Boyle, writer of the percussion book for their newest method, Habits of a Successful Beginner Band Musician. Hi, I'm Scott Rush, and I'm one of the writers of Habits of a Successful Beginner Band Musician, and I'm here with Kevin Boyle who's another member of the Habits team. And Kevin wrote the percussion book for Habits of Successful Beginner Band Musician. And we're going to spend some time today talking about the features in the new Beginner Method book. So, Kevin, let's start with um, what are some specific things in the percussion book that band directors and percussion teachers will be uh, excited to see? Hey, Scott. That's a, that's a great question. Uh, I got about four big things that when we started writing the book, that I wanted to include in this. I wanted to have a really well-rounded beginner percussion curriculum, you know, embedded in this full band curriculum. And uh, so I wanted to start with, you know, the basics. We've got four basic strokes that we're going to be using. The rebound stroke, downstroke, the upstroke, and the multiple bounce stroke. And the descriptions in the book are simple and clear, and the videos are, you know, wonderful on the website. And everything the students are going to play in the percussion world are going to be made up of these these strokes. It's kind of like knowing how air moves for wind players. It's the same thing, how the stick responds to the surface. Um, so for the first four and a half pages, uh, it's all rebound strokes. It's just focusing on that basic stroke with different stickings, quarter notes, eighth notes, uh, timing, and understanding how that, that functions. Um, we get to the buzz roll on number 31, the multiple bounce stroke, and we start introducing that in quarter notes and eighth notes, isolating each hand and then putting them together. Uh, and then on number 40, we get to the accent and tap exercises. Now these these involve the downstroke and the upstroke. And, and I think most percussion teachers would agree, you know, these two strokes in combination take the longest for middle school students to really get comfortable with. And so we wanted to devote time to that in the curriculum. And so we have three and a half pages of these, you know, downstroke and upstroke combinations uh, with space so the students understand how the stick needs to stop and then to lift for the upstroke and then space after that note. And then we combine them without space. Uh, and also during these few pages, we're introducing dynamics. So the students are learning the different degrees of rebound from the different distances from the drum and how that can help with the accent tap understanding and how the grip should stay the same through all. Um, rudimentally in the book, kind of going hand in hand with the strokes, we, we cover 15 rudiments. Uh, and they're the ones most commonly found in middle school and high school band literature, as well as their all-state and all-region auditions. And so these everything they're playing in this book uh, has application directly later on. We introduce all the rudiments with the, the one-handed exercise first, and then the hands are combined to, to form the rudiment in the context of the song. And this is really just the old-school, tried-and-true way to, to master rudiments. Yeah, A lot of band directors uh, also ask me, um, when they're going through their students' music, for like their snare drum music for a, for a piece, you know, they want to help put sticking in that music. And a lot of band directors don't know like standard sticking. Do I alternate the quarter notes or do I keep them on the right hand? And how does that relate to eighth notes and sixteenth notes? Well, all of that is kind of laid out in this book. So the beginning, you open it up and you see, you know, consistent hand motion in quarter notes and then alternated eighth notes. 
Then we go and do you know double stroke eighth notes, so alternated quarter notes in, connect, in relation to that to kind of set up the the macro movement and the, and the subdivision to that. Mixed in with all of this rudimental development, uh, we cover a dozen accessory percussion instruments, and these are the ones that you find in traditional concert band music and percussion ensemble music. Uh, we try to get one on each page uh, as kind of an anchor tune like you guys have for the winds. It's a simple, it's just a rhythm exercise, but it gives the student and the teacher a chance, it gives the teacher a chance to teach that instrument to them. And they, they come back later in the book, we spiral back around to those again. Um, and this is part of being a well-rounded percussionist. You know, when a student starts clarinet or flute or, you know, brass, they know what instrument they're getting. It's that instrument in the case. When a student signs up for percussion, they, they see that entire section across the back of the room and all of those instruments, and it's really exciting. Uh, and so we should be teaching them all of those, as many as we can at the beginning, so they're comfortable with everything, and they're, they feel ownership in what, what, they're, what mm-hmm. they're doing. Absolutely. Uh, and I think the last big thing we did, uh, we set out to do, was to put uh, stickings on all the keyboard exercises. And I already had some great feedback from some good teachers and saying, thank you, this is really good. It takes the guesswork out of everything for those beginners. You know, you wouldn't give a trumpet player the first five notes without a fingering chart and say, well, it's just those three vowels. Figure it out. Well, that's kind of, you know, a lot of beginning band books do that with the keyboards. They have a picture of the keyboard and all the notes labeled, but there's no guidelines as to which hand you play with. And and if you're learning percussion in a percussion-only class, you're probably going to use a method book that starts in the key of C, which is you know left-to-right motion only, no forward and backward motion to accidentals yet. That's introduced as we go, and it's very easy to get a smooth movement for with a beginner. But here, we're in a full band method. Boom, we're in B-flat major. So we've got B-flat and E-flat to deal with, forward and back motion, as well as you know skip over the E natural to get to the F, skip over the B natural to get to the C. And so having sticking just alleviates all guesswork for those kids. We, we just have the sticking there, so they're going to move naturally up and down that key, whatever key we go to. Uh, we also put the uh, kind of the guidelines for rolling on notes. You know, if you start a roll and you, you're going up the keyboard, you need to lead with the right hand most of the time. And the opposite, down the keyboard, lead with the left hand. And those stickings are in here, too, off the roll notes. So that, again, they know which way to go, which hand to lead with, and they can just move forward from there. During our field testing, we got some really, really positive feedback on the percussion book. Sweet. So, yeah. yeah it, it, I think uh, there's lots of great stuff. What are some teacher tips you would give in regard to the rudimental side of the book? <clears throat> um, I think most band directors, percussion directors, would agree that the rudimental side of beginning band percussionists is the weaker side. Uh, and it's simply because there's not a direct correlation with the wind pedagogy. It's not... It's not pitched. It's not melodic. It's a drum. It's one pitch. And the mallet side is always easier to teach because you can say you can actually play the flute part on marimba, but you can't do that on snare drum. Right. And so I wanted the band directors that are they're using this method need to know that all of the the snare drum exercises uh, probably need to be played on practice pad to begin with. In fact, I would recommend investing in a class set of like you know eight or how many practice pads for your band. You know, the piston stroke alone doesn't make a lot of sense. But if you teach the rebound stroke first and say, hey, it's just like the rebound stroke over there on the drum, except the keys don't rebound. You have to imitate that stroke. And it's like you can teach that piston stroke quickly from that foundation. Um, and I know that you know most middle school bands are taught with 
one band director who's probably not a percussionist teaching all those instruments. So you have to make a conscious effort to invest in that side of the kit. Otherwise, they're just going through the motions and they get bored. And they, you know. Um, but what what we decided here, or what I would what I would suggest is that um, they play all of the rudimental stuff in the front of the book on practice pads for the first month before getting to the drum just so they can learn how that full motion of the wrist and once mm-hmm. you get to the um, the dynamics and they're playing down soft and their grip is correct then you can take the pad away and play it on the drum and because they're going to play lower on the drum than they are on the pad but you build to that and so that's how that's how you bridge that gap a lot of a lot of folks friends of mine are like I don't I can't make that transition well you have to build into that so teaching it on the pad understanding the strokes, and then transferring to the other instruments as you go. That, that would be my biggest suggestion for, for the band director. So in addition to being an amazing percussionist, uh, you know, you've obviously been in the trenches for 16 years as a middle school band director. So what is it about this book that you think uh, is going to be a game changer? <laughs> um, I think the, the first thing that pops into my head is that everything in this book is intentional. There's, there's no fluff, there's no fat to chew. Every, every song, every exercise has a purpose and is very methodical and sequenced so it leads to the next song. And it's, it's, um, I, that's the most impressive thing to me. So many other books that I've used, looked at, you know, whenever a new book comes out and you're at the convention, you're flipping through trying to find things. And for the most part, there's so much just arbitrary things thrown in there just because. And I don't feel that anything in this book is like that. I think everything here has a purpose and is immediately applicable to that, to some, a bigger concept. That and building a skill or exactly. a concept or a component of playing. Exactly. Yep. Uh, I think also the video resources for this thing are out of this world. we got some of the best players in, in the country playing um, on this and modeling how to put the instruments together, how, <laughs> how to form an embouchure. I mean, it's like a free private lesson you can rewind it and watch it again. Uh, the videography is great. You get great close-ups of what needs to be seen. I was walk, I was going through the videos this morning, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm going to be watching the oboe video a lot. I'm be watching that bassoon video a lot because those are my weakest two. Uh, probably most of us are that way except for oboes and bassoon people. Um, even the percussion videos, I, I, you know, I, in the moment of filming them, I forgot we had multiple angles going. So I would watch the, the suspended symbol video and it cuts to show the three areas of the symbol zoomed in were very clear for the students to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for, I mean, as a band director, I'm going to be watching these just for constant reminders. I'm always looking for a new way to say something I've taught before uh, just to reach in more kids. And I think that video component, yeah, that's, that's, is the game changer for the teacher as well as the student. Well, I know you currently use Flipgrid as well with yeah. your students. How do you think, you know, I've often referred to our technology piece as Sight Reading Factory Mary's Flipgrid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> how, do, how, do you, um, how do you think that the uh, technology component uh, through Music First is going to help the teacher in the trenches? I think in years past, you have two kinds of student evaluators. You have teachers that like to see their kids play in person and evaluate them in the moment. And then you have some who would prefer or have it set up so that it can be done digitally so the app and the, the rubric in the app can evaluate the student and give them feedback. And I think this is a, a great mix of both. I think that because that, I'm, I'm an in-person evaluator and I've been using Flipgrid for pass-offs and 
and chair placements and things like that. Um, but having this component too, I mean, it just saves a step for me. I don't have to go click over and put the grade in. I can just have my rubric for the video portion, watch it, boom, and everything is is uh, connected. There's definitely a time saver for sure. Very much, and I think it 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 merges both approaches very well. Thank you for joining us for this Habits Universal podcast. If you'd like more information on habits of a successful beginner band musician, go to giamusic.com. There, you'll find promotional videos and student books for your perusal. Please join us for future Habits Universal podcasts.